Well, hello there and welcome back into our latest little Friday soiree. It is the BetUS Boxing Show and we come your way live on Fridays headed to the weekend. I am merely TJ Reeves. The guy that you're here for is our insider. We love his analysis. We love the fact that he's still rolling with the picks. Do I see, and we're about to put it graphically on the screen in a moment, six and two from a week ago. Uh, picking right now uh, 20 picks above 500 right now is one Dan Rayfield. Good to be back with you on the Bet U.S. Boxing Show, my friend. Thank you very much, TJ, and good to be making uh, a good amount of accurate picks for our people we're trying to offer a little short-term investment advice to. Having a good time making these picks, seeing some good fights, and hopefully we get a couple more solid ones this weekend. Well, and I'll be the first one to admit I had a one in four week last week. I really believed in Anthony Joshua to be able to get the win in the upset over Alexander Usyk. You said, no, no, this is going to be Usyk. It's going to be Usyk by decision. I'm going to cash the win by decision. I'm going to cash the over. What a surprise. Ray feels cashing. Reeves has been swinging and, wh and whiffing a little bit as of late. So we'll see if we agree or disagree on some picks this week. Uh, and again, uh, not a bevy of big-time fight cards or a championship fight, but still a couple of intriguing fights that will be coming Saturday night that everybody in the U.S., for example, can see on ESPN, the top-ranked card in Tulsa. Just in general terms, Dan, it's got a couple of compelling fights on it that we're going to be talking about on the show today. Well, like you said, it's not big-time world championship boxing, but that's okay because you've got known names, former champions, in uh, Richard Comey and Jose Pedraza. You know, it's basically like a 50-50 kind of fight. So in my mind, more so if you're into the to the wagering aspect of things, it's actually right up your alley because uh, it's, a, it's a much more even type of fight that you can actually make some money on it as opposed to uh, some kind of fight where the odds are gigantic in one way or the other. I mean, uh, you mentioned compelling fights, the second fight. I don't know if it's a compelling fight, but the fighter that we're interested in, which is Jared, the real big baby Anderson, the heavyweight prospect, 11-0 with 11 knockouts. He is a compelling figure and a potential future star, uh, clearly the number one heavyweight prospect, at least in the United States, and a guy that top rank has a lot of high hopes for, that many boxing fans have a lot of high hopes for, and he's in that co-feature. So while his matchup is, uh, and we'll see when we get to the odds, maybe not the most compelling fight, He's a compelling fighter to watch and somebody that people should pay attention to. Whereas the main event, you've got two old war horses who are going at it looking to continue their careers. And uh, they are worth watching because they've made a bunch of good fights over the years. And it's a very evenly matched fight between veteran guys who uh, know that they have a chance with a win over the other guy uh, to make a big step forward in the junior welterweight division. All right, so we've got lots to get to. We've got plenty of time. Only a couple of fights that we're covering here for short-term investment purposes, at least on the slate that you're going to see. So we've got time for Q&A. If you're watching us live in the 1 Eastern time hour, take advantage and get us some questions and answers uh, that are in here. We'll get to as many of those as we can on the show before we are done. Let's take a look at the records. As I mentioned, Mr. Rayfield has been rolling. A 6-2 and two week last week puts him, hello, 41-20. and 20. So like if you are just betting with the unit system, whatever uh, you're comfortable with, and you're listening to Rayfield's advice, look at that, you're plus 20 on the units. Now, I don't have as good a record, but I've hit a couple of bigger plays uh, that paid out a little bit better. So Rayfield's got the better record, but I'm keeping up with you on how many. Look at that. We are plus 35, kids. Yeah. If you have been listening since the show began in early May, I don't know how many betting concept shows that are out there in the vast array, Dan Rayfield, would have their uh, users, customers, viewers plus 35 at any moment. So that's well, some excellent advice they've been getting. I know we're patting ourselves on the back, but they've been getting some excellent advice on this show one more time. But here's the thing. We're not cherry picking what to pick. It's not like we're just saying let's pick that fight because it seems like the more easy one to go with. Uh, we're picking you know, whatever the main fights are on a given weekend. It's not like, again, we're not cherry picking. If there's a world championship fight, you know, generally, you know, if they're being televised, uh, certainly in the United States, which most of those fights are, we're picking the fights. I mean, you know, we don't do every single match. But I have to say, uh, again, not to pat ourselves on the backs, but if we were actually doing the record based on the what our, what's on our official rundown of picks, and then you throw in some of the, the other fights that maybe are not part of our official pick show, but some of the, the people who put in their questions and comments ask about other fights that we may not cover more in depth. I've made several picks uh, for them on those fights and, and I think scored on most of them, to be honest with you. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's not an exact science, not any, 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 any gambling thing is, but uh, 
if you do your homework and you, and you study up and you know your material, you're going to be better off than not. And uh, we're yeah. showing that right now. We're seeing that for sure. Again, Dan's got a 20-plus year background with USA Today and ESPN. He is, I, I love saying this, he is the premier boxing insider that you're going to find, and you're seeing that insight being put to use here on BetUS. All right, enough of the lovey-dovey stuff. The savages, the peeps, are here to see what we think and to go on the record. Let's get to that 50-50 fight you were mentioning. It is fight number one. It is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I, just as I said on the podcast, I'm not singing Living on Tulsa Time, the country music song of the late 70s and the early 80s, but that is where they are. Jose Pedraza of Puerto Rico, Richard Comey of Ghana, by way now of fighting out of New York. As you mentioned, former world champions both, both coming off a loss. So this is really a restart your career moment for one of these guys in the main event at 140 pounds. Look at our odds. Very even on uh, who scores the knockout. Pedraza heavily favored, as it turns out, by decision. This is, Dan, a 10-round fight with our over-under at 8.5 rounds. Give us some thoughts and what you think will happen with Pedraza and Comey. Well, listen, the main thing is, uh, if you're watching, it's a good fight. It's a good even matchup. Two two true pros, two good guys. I've interviewed both of them many times, been around them, know their teams. I mean, uh, easy guys to root for, uh, but only one man can win. And honestly, I mean, I don't ever really pick a draw. I mean, it's just, you just don't do that, and they're, they're not that common. But if there was ever going to be a draw, like, I could see it being a draw, even though that's not what my pick is. Uh, that said, look, like you mentioned, TJ, both of them are coming off losses. Uh, they're not getting any younger. They're both into their mid-30s at this point. And, and the reality is, this is the fight to not to win a title, not to say you're the top of the division, not to say that you're on the pound-for-pound pound list. This is the fight to tell uh, the viewers, the fans, the press, your promoter at top rank, hey, we're ready for another big fight because the winner of this fight is going to get another opportunity. That's the bottom line. So they're not fighting for any any material belts or anything like that, but they're fighting to keep their careers going, at least in terms of being able to be in, say, a main event uh, as the B-side, but as a very reputable fighter in that B-side of the fight. Um, uh, Richard Comey is coming off of a loss by decision, very one-sided, got knocked down against Vasily Lomachenko in December. Uh, obviously, no shame in losing to Lomachenko. He is one of the best fighters in the world. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's won titles in three different weight classes. And for a period of time, he was the number one pound for pound in the in the sport. Uh, so that's sort of like you say, a forgivable loss. Uh, so, but he's got to come back and take on Pedraza. Now, a few years ago, Pedraza also lost a decision in a, in a world title fight against Vesely Lomachenko. But uh, uh, Pedraza is also coming off of a loss. So it's imperative for them to both uh, score a victory. And... We'll see how that goes. But I think, it, A, entertaining fight, and uh, B, uh, both fighters, I believe, are going to be highly motivated knowing what it means to their future. All right. So, again, uh, in the case of Coma, he's lost two of his last three fights, but he did after the knockout loss to Teofimo Lopez. He came back and got a knockout himself in a top-ranked uh, boxing card in Las Vegas. And I agree with you. Lomachenko dominated him, but Lomachenko's dominated a lot of people. That doesn't mean yeah. in and of itself that Comey is done at 34 years of age. For Pedraza, he had won three fights in a row, but just lost back in March to a former world champion, Jose Ramirez. Yep. So Pedraza is obviously our favorite here. Let's go on the record. What do you think happens in this 10-round main event at 140 pounds? Well, a couple things about that, TJ. Number one, uh, as you mentioned, Pedraza won his first world title as a 130-pounder. He then fought for a while and won a title in the 135-pound lightweight division. He has, for the last few fights, been fighting in the 140-pound junior welterweight division and seems to have done okay. He's got a good chin. Uh, when he's lost, it's been to only the premier fighters, like you mentioned, against Jose Ramirez, who was a former unified champion whose uh, only loss came against Josh Taylor in a fight for the undisputed crown. Uh, so that's, again, a, what I would call a forgivable loss. In the case of Richard Comey, his losses are also in that forgivable sort of uh, pantheon. Uh, you know, a, a knockout to Tiafimo Lopez when he lost his title. The fight I mentioned that took place in December uh, against Vasily Lomachenko. He has another loss that was overseas by split decision in the other guy's hometown, where I've watched that fight on YouTube, and it was one of the worst uh, hometown decisions you'll ever see. Uh, he had another loss against Robert Easter, in a, and I believe it was a uh, title eliminator where you know, he had Robert Easter on the floor and he lost a split decision in a fight that could have definitely gone either way. Even if you think that Easter was the winner, was super close. The point is, he's been a hard luck loser in a lot of his fights that he has lost. Um, but he has come up short in some of those big spots. He has been stopped 
uh, in the fight uh, against Tiafima Lopez. He is moving up in weight, so he has never uh, fought in the junior welterweight division. And my perspective on this is that when you take it all into account, uh, where they are in their careers, the type of uh, recent fights that they've had, how they've looked in that, the type of styles that they present, you know, I do lean towards uh, uh, Pedraza in this fight. To me, he's a little bigger. He's a little faster. He's a little more skilled. He's got Olympic background. When I, you know, anybody that's listened to me or watched me or read me for years knows I put a lot of stock in your amateur background, and he has that uh, in spades. He was a, a, one of the great amateurs in Puerto Rico. So the combination of that, um, that, that just strikes me that, that, that he's the one that's going to be able to be a better boxer in this fight. Now, Comey has got a lot of, a lot of power but it's yet to be seen in the 140 weight class. And Pedraza has shown a good chin. Now, he did get stopped, but that was a long time ago at 130 against Gervonta Davis, who at 130 was a very explosive puncher. Um, but to me, you know, you, you punch everything in, you, you collect the data, you punch it into that computer. And uh, to me, it, it reads uh, Jose Pedraza by decision, which means I'm taking the over also. All right. So we're going to lock you in and we're going to lock me in as well. I think Pedraza, the veteran from Puerto Rico, will find a way use his uh, skill, use his chin. Uh, again, maybe this is a different Richard Comey back two, three years ago before the Lopez knockout, et cetera, would have been, been maybe a little more explosive. That's not the case here for Tulsa, Oklahoma. So you and I both like Pedraza. We both like it by decision on the how. And again, you're not getting great value on the over, so I understand that. But if we're taking them by decision, you might as well double up if you can double up or if you want to solo bet them and cash anyway on the over. So you'll see that Dan and I are both on the over uh, as well for Pedraza to get that decision win. Paying only minus 400 on the bet U.S. line, Dan, obviously that means the odds makers believe it's likely a Pedraza decision win. We still just want to be right in this instance. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, Comey's chin's been dented in the past. Pedraza's been on the floor before. But they've both been pretty sturdy guys. I don't think either one of them is a, is a massive puncher at 140. Again, they're both uh, very sound fighters. They're both experienced. They both are uh, uh, guys that come in shape. And uh, it should be, I think, a competitive fight. And in the end, you know, if you tell me that they finish off 10 rounds and Pedraza gets his hand raised and the scores are something like, you know, uh, six rounds to four or something like that, you know, that seems to be about the kind of fight we're looking at. Um, you just never know, obviously, what can happen. But that's that's the seems to be the most logical outcome. Uh, I think that Pedraza still has a little bit more left in the tank compared to Comey. Comey also, and I, and I, I like Comey, you know, he's exciting and I've always enjoyed watching his fights. To me, he's always sort of in these types of spots, just failed to deliver, like does just enough to lose uh, in the biggest spot. And, uh, you know, for his sake, obviously, hopefully that doesn't happen to him. But when it's coming to my bankroll, you know, that's the way I see it. Amen. We see another TJ, that's not me, saying, hey, Pedraza looked good against Jose Ramirez. Uh, in the last fight, only lost maybe the fight by a couple of rounds in that one. Uh, there's another viewer watching us. Trey is always here, Trey X. And he was talking uh, earlier, I saw this in the live chat, about it's not just about picking the winner, but it's kind of about picking the how, et cetera. But Trey is also saying on this Pedraza fight that the decision prop is obviously better than just taking Pedraza on the money line. And, Dan, this is a good point in time where we go a little educational here for the peeps, that it's not just the win but it is also the win, W-H-E-N, that we're concerned with, and also maybe the how, a decision or a knockout where you can get better value because Pedraza on the bet U.S. line is like minus 700 or minus 800, but you're getting better value on the decision on the how at minus 150 to go that, that step. And that's the advice we've been giving you on this show consistently. The how and the W-H-E-N, the win, matter. Well, I've also, you know, and when I make my picks, you know this, TJ, because I bust your chops all the time about it, that, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 I'm looking, I'm not, I mean, of course I'm looking at what the number is because we're making these uh, picks based on uh, what the odds are. But sometimes, or a lot of times, frankly, I'm, I don't care what the number of what the odds are. You want to tell me it's minus this or plus that? I don't care. I know what I know as a person that follows this on a daily basis. So my uh, goal is, of course, you want to be accurate when you make the picks, but you want to be right. So I've never been fearful of, you know, a number that was, you know, you have to lay a huge amount. I just, if I'm confident in what the pick is, the number is irrelevant to me. And in the right. case, now, this fight, by the way, it's not that the numbers are relevant. I do think it's a close fight. It's not like I, I'm telling anybody it's a free money kind of pick. 
But, uh, you know, I believe strongly that that Pedraza and Comey goes the route. And if it goes the route, I believe that that it's uh, the type of fight that Pedraza prevails in. Now, maybe I'll be wrong, but that's how I see it going into the fight. And by the way, I misspoke. Pedraza's only like minus 250, and I think yeah, Comey right. like plus 200 uh, as the underdog in this. So it is a fairly even 50-50 fight, but you're still getting better value as the point on the decision prop on this. And that's going to lead us to fight number two, the exact the example of what you're talking about. Here we go with Jared Real Big Baby Anderson, a massive favorite. Uh, massive as in he is minus 25 thousand to win the fight over the little known serbian uh well hold on to win the fight look at the prop still for the knockout dan rayfield is minus 2500 still for the knockout so bet us obviously believes and most of the books i looked around at a couple other ones they believe similarly this is going to be an anderson knockout so you're getting no real value there we understand that uh again uh rova conan is a serbian heavyweight He's got a 24 and 2 record, mostly nondescript competition. The only question is how soon will Jared Anderson out of Ohio, who's 11 and 0 with 11 KOs, get him out of there? I think that's the real intrigue. So Dan Rayfield, tell me what you think happens. And by the way, Dan talked with Jared Anderson earlier this week for our Big Fight Weekend podcast, a plug for that. You spoke with him about this fight and about his future. Give us more on Real Big Baby and what you think happens here in the co-feature fight in Tulsa. Well, let's say this, TJ. The fight looks good on paper, 11 and 0 with 11 against a guy that's 24 and 2. But you got to go a little deeper into those numbers. The 24 and 2, the 24 is against absolute garbage men, tomato can. I mean, just terrible, terrible. In the modern day, Uber drivers. Yeah, Uber drivers. You know, whatever. I mean, the, the pizza delivery men. Whatever the case may be under 500 type opponents, just real setup kind of fights. And then the two losses, which I also look at because that's important. You know, who's this guy losing to those types of fighters or are you losing the good fighters uh, that are at a certain level above him? So the losses are to uh, uh, Alexander Dimitrenko, who for a while was like a fringe contender, you know, maybe like a, a B minus type of contender that had some fights against notable guys, but certainly, you know, a solid pro uh, lost to him. And then the other one was the one time he got stopped by, your boy, TJ, Agit Kabiel, uh, who was a former yep. European heavyweight champion and uh, has been mentioned as a possible opponent, not not now, but in a couple of fights ago, possibly for like a Tyson Fury. So he's like a, a good, solid European-level fighter. But the point is, those are the two guys that defeated uh, Rav Kynan, and the other guys that he beat are just, you know, just nothing type opposition. So uh, Jared Anderson is obviously expected uh, to roll by big, big, easy knockout in this fight. He is, by all uh, estimations, mine, mine included, the number one heavyweight prospect in the United States, perhaps uh, among the top heavyweight prospects in the world presently, had a good amateur background, but turned pro before uh, the Olympics. Uh, part of that was pandemic related, I believe. In any event, he's been really good. And uh, even more so than the way he's looked in his professional fights, where he's been extended into the sixth round, I think once, third round, fourth round, has a lot of first round knockouts among those 11 victories. Uh, he got a lot of sort of notoriety or positive attention because he spent three training camps with Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion, and Tyson Fury had nothing but great things to say about him. Uh, he worked with him uh, for uh, the second and the third Deontay Wilder fights. Uh, the, the third fight with Wilder actually had two training camps because it was postponed. So he was with him, working hard with him uh, for those three camps. So when you can go and be 11-0 with 11 knockouts and also and reap the praise of uh, a Tyson Fury, who's not necessarily easy with the praise, that says something about you as your. Wasn't there a rumor that he knocked Fury down in one of those training camps? Whatever those rumors I mean, were worth. So I mean, listen, I've I've been doing this as you mentioned a long time. If I had a dollar for every training camp story I've heard, I wouldn't be doing the show with you because I'd be on exactly. an island somewhere sipping on an island, exactly, Rayfield so, Island. You know, I don't I don't put a lot of stock in uh, in the in the chirping and the rumors you hear about what goes on in uh, in sparring or in the training camp. And again, it is sparring in the training camp. It's not the real fight with the lights on. But the bottom line was uh, the one thing that's intriguing about this fight is that you have Jared coming off of a hand surgery. He had uh, some kind of issue with a tendon on the top of one of his knuckles. By the way, not at all an uncommon injury for a, a heavyweight or a guy known for being a being a puncher. So he's coming off of that layoff. Uh, the disappointing thing, and actually, you know, I'll give another plug if people want to listen to our podcast where I had the interview with them. That podcast on Apple and Spotify just came out uh, last night. 
um, Friday, uh, Thursday night. The point is, though, he was supposed to be in the training camp when Tyson Fury was training for the Dillian White fight that took place in late April, and he was going to be in uh, a fight on that undercard. And unfortunately, because he was recovering from his injury, he was not able to go into the training camp and work with Fury or be on the card. So he lost on, on, on that sort of uh, very exciting opportunity that would have given him you know, even that much more exposure. But the bottom line is he's back, he's healthy, he's excited, he's raring to go, and he's got a big guy in front of him that most people expect to just get put out in a couple of rounds, if that. I mean, you saw, I don't know if we talked over under, it's like one and a half rounds. It's crazy. It's it's incredible. They saw it on that list. We have not had a fight that we've discussed on this show with that little of an over under. So the odds makers at BetUS do not believe this fight's going to go four and a half minutes. Literally over <laughs> under one and a half rounds. So that gets us into the predictions. We both believe 11 straight knockouts for Jared Anderson. He's a southpaw with a big left hand. We believe this is a knockout. So we're going to lock it in that we both like the KO for real big baby. I don't now, think the question. Know, you have to double check this. I'm pretty sure he's not a southpaw. I'm pretty sure he's right-handed. Okay, well, maybe not. Did, did he fight a little southpaw against Carlos yeah. Takam, the veteran? Did he switch sure. it up some? Because he hit him with the big straight left uh, to he, knock him out. He could probably fight this dude right-handed or left-handed and still win. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. On that, again, uh, I may have misspoke before. He's minus 10,000 on the money line. You're getting better value for the KO. I realize you're having to bet $250 to win 10. I get it. But if you're if you're having to bet this fight, it's got to be Jared Anderson by KO. And here's the other real question. Does this see the end of the second that's, round? That's the only intriguing So what do you think? Prop. What do you think? Yeah. First of all, that's the only intriguing part of that in terms of what the props are. Is he is it over one and a half or is it under one and a half? And let's be honest with our viewers, TJ. If this was a busier weekend and there was some other action, mm -hmm. we would probably, so we definitely would have uh, taken a, 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 a strong look at the Comey Pedraza fight. We probably wouldn't have included this fight, and it would have been a maybe a comment from one of the folks, uh, you know, in the in the in the viewer question part of the show. Uh, but be it as it may, this is the only action of the weekend that matters, that's notable, that's on TV in America. So you say, well, can it go over one and a half? And I believe it does go over one and a half. Now I've talked to Ooh. some people who are in and around. The, the Anderson camp, they think there's a chance it it might not even last one round. Fine. And, and, I, and I, I have uh, respect for those folks. I say over one and a half. And by the way, we're, 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 just, we're debating, does this thing go th under three minutes, under, under uh, what, four and a half minutes? Four, four and a half minutes, over, right. A little over four and a half minutes. So it's not like we're saying it's going eight, nine, ten. Forget about that in my mind. The reason I think there's a, there's a that I'm willing to put money on the over one and a half, and by the way, not much over the one and a half, although I don't have to right. specify in my wager. Here's the reason why. A couple things. He's coming off the hand injury and the surgery, like I mentioned. Amen. So I know that he's been doing the rounds in his training camp. He's obviously going to come into the fight healthy or he wouldn't be fighting, it seems to me, coming off of that surgery. But I've interviewed and been around fighters long enough to know, no matter what that situation is, you just don't know till the bell rings. In other words, it, training camp is one thing. Hitting the heavy bag is one thing. Sparring with your guys in the ring as you're preparing is one thing. When the real fight starts, you got to let those hands go for real. You know, you're going to have a little trepidation about can that hand hold up. So I think that he's not looking to go out there and just blast away with the first punch yep. because he's not going to be sure about the hand until he actually has to use it. That's the first thing. The second thing is this is going to be Jared's first scheduled 10-round fight. Now, that hasn't mattered, obviously, because all of his fights are – you know, never gone beyond six. But again, even though you train for that level of fight, we talked about it on the podcast, how, you know, he's he's ready to go. He's done the rounds, you know, and he knows that he can handle that. Again, you don't know it till you do it in boxing. And I can't tell you how many times there's been fighters that have moved up to a, a six rounder, an eight rounder, a 10 rounder, ultimately a 12 rounder, where the first time they do that, they know it. And it's in the back of their mind. And they want to make sure that they have that energy if they need it, down the stretch and not just go crazy and, and blow out their energy in the first few rounds. So the combination of coming off of the hand injury and perhaps there being some trepidation with that, also knowing in the back of your mind there is the possibility I might have to go 10 full rounds. You're going to maybe conserve yourself a little bit in terms of blasting away with the injured hand that's now hopefully healthy, as well as knowing that this fight is scheduled longer than you've ever been scheduled before. You add that all up, and it says to me that, that because – he may take, I'm not saying he's going to take it easy on the guy, 
but not going to go out there and just looking at this is not like, you know, early Mike Tyson where you just tears a guy's head off in 30 seconds that there's a solid chance that the fight exceeds four and a half minutes. Maybe I'll be wrong. That's and all we're looking for. And it's over. It's heavyweights. We talk about that every single week. But to the best of my estimation, if you're looking on this fight because the odds are so wide in any other way to make any money whatsoever, and I don't even think you can make that much on the over, but certainly more than, but than on the win uh, or the knockout, to me, it's logical, and I'm going to go with the over. And I've done pretty well with my over-under picks. Uh, you have. Much uh, better than me. So much I'm, better I'm than taking, me. I'm taking the over on this one. And uh, you know what? It, to me, it's going to be the most interesting four and a half minutes or less of the weekend. You and I will be texting each other late Saturday night on Got It or Not on this. And again, it's only a round and a half here, and I like everything that you laid out there. We, we just don't know. Will Rove Conan take a big punch in the first round? And how does he take that punch? Does he wobble? Does he get knocked down? Or, and does that empower Anderson? Or does he take it well? And then we settle in a little bit. You and I do not believe this is seeing like the sixth or no, the seventh no. or the eighth. That would be shocking if it sees the sixth, the seventh, the eighth round. But you to both of us, is it, how is uh, is is Ravkinen going to take the shot, the big shot? My question is, besides that, is Jared going to throw the big shot in the yeah. first round? Because again, as I said about the the length of the fight potentially, as well as coming off of that injury, and subconsciously, any fighter that coming off a hand injury, there's always some trepidation, at least to start. Uh, I'm not saying every single fighter ever that's done that, but in my experience, and I've written and talked to fighters a billion times who've come off, you know, hand surgeries, hand injuries, those types of things. And everyone will tell you, look, I wanted to make sure it was good. I, I don't want to, I want to make sure I'm okay with it. And, you know, there is, you know, when they unleash it for the first time, they have that thought in their mind. It's just the uh, human nature. And I think Anderson will be in that same boat. So again, you know, we're only talking about, can we get past four and a half minutes here? We're not talking about eight, nine, 10 rounds. Fair enough. And again, we're going to get to your questions and answers here in just a second. But you see Dan and I both on the real big baby, Jared Anderson out of Ohio, 11-0 with the 11 KOs. And uh, we are also both on the over. Better value, obviously, on the over here. And you might be able with some sports books uh, to pair that up as well to take him for the KO and to take the over and you'll get much better value uh, by combining both if that is the case and uh, and by the way for last week's Usyk Joshua fight bet US was offering they don't offer this for all the fights groupings of rounds at a better value on the win WHEN the fight's going to be over with bet US does not have that in this fight like a grouping of rounds 1 through 3 might even pay a little better but we're just going to take the straight over here. There's not a grouping. There's just knockout or not, decision or not. We're going to take the knockout. We're going to take the over. By the way, another reminder uh, here. I don't think I've, I've said this during this show, but we say it frequently. You can help us out. Hit the like button. Hit the bell. I'm seeing a lot of you in the live chat going back and forth. Keep hitting the like button if you haven't done so. Keep hitting the bell. You see that right there on the screen. Subscribe to this channel. We have crossed over 700 uh, subscribers on the threshold. We began at negative and now we're at over 700 i want to see that thing get to a thousand by the time we get to canelo triple g in mid-september we can easily get to a thousand with your help hit the like button hit the bell subscribe share it out spread the word more people are going to find it and uh and there you go with that disclaimer all right uh questions and answers let's get to some of this here you've seen the peeps coming up with uh some of those uh, let's see the, the, uh, person, not me, who is TJ wants to know what about potential opponents for Teofimo Lopez at Madison square garden in December? Would we wonder that if Jose Pedraza wins this fight, that maybe he is that guy, but I know you talked to another guy this week, uh, for our podcast again in Arnold Barboza. Why might he be the guy for Lopez, the former world lightweight champion in December in New York? Give us your thoughts, Dan. Well, first off, you know, Lopez coming off of his victory uh, a couple of weeks ago against Pedro Campa in his return from losing the lightweight title, making his junior welterweight debut, getting the knockout. Uh, he is penciled in to fight on December 10th at the Garden. That's uh, the Saturday of the Heisman Trophy presentation, which has been something that Top Rank and, uh, and the Garden and ESPN have teamed up for the last few years. Uh, they like that synergy with the Heisman presentation taking place in New York City, and then they throw it to the folks at MSG for a boxing event. So um, 
who's his opponent going to be? Now, like you said, Pedraza is also at 140 pounds. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think that would be something that uh, that that top rank would consider, that Pedraza, I'm sure, would love to do, that the Garden folks would probably be interested in. He, of course, is Puerto Rican. There's a very large Puerto Rican community that has turned out in droves to support top Puerto Rican fighters over the years at Madison Square Garden. Of course, the biggest ones uh, from the time I've covered boxing have been Felix, Tito, Trinidad, and Miguel Cotto. Uh, but Pedraza against Teofimo Lopez would be an interesting fight for sure. Uh, the other fighter that you mentioned is uh, Arnold Barboza Jr., an undefeated contender in that weight class. He headlined a top-ranked event about a month before uh, Teofimo's return fight against Campa. He won his fight against an undefeated fighter, uh, Zoria, and uh, looked good in that fight, won uh, mm-hmm. going away in terms of a decision. And he's been calling Teofimo Lopez out something fierce. A lot of people thought Top Rank was thinking they might make Tiafimo's return fight against Barboza. It turned out that he fought Campa instead, which Barboza was okay with. But he says, now that this kid's got that fight under his belt in the new weight class, I want him next. And there's this video on social media that was posted by uh, Arnold Barboza's manager, Rick Merigian, where you see Tiafimo Lopez in the ring after the victory against Campa speaking to Brad Jacobs, who was one of the top executives at Top Rank, saying, you know, keep me busy, but don't put me in the ring next with that bum over there, Arnold Barboza. <laughs> so we were saying he doesn't want to fight him. Wait, let me stop you. It's not, it's not unlike our social outings, Raphael, where you say, I'll sit at any table, but don't put me next to that bum right there. That's very similar to how you handle me. Continue on. Well, so anyway, so that's a fight that Barbosa really wants. Uh, we had, as I mentioned, uh, about having uh, Big Baby Anderson on our podcast. I also had a very spirited interview with Barbosa on that same podcast that's available now that uh, people can listen and get his take on on the desire to fight this fight against Tiafima Lopez. But it's a fight that Top Rank was interested in. I think it's a, to- a fight that's got some spice now because of the back and forth between these guys. It's a competitive matchup in my mind. It's a good fight. Barbosa's a, you know, a, probably a little bigger than Tifimo Lopez. Uh, I like that fight. So again, you know, there's been no decisions made to answer the the viewer's question mm-hmm. uh, in terms of who the opponent's going to be. But it is, it would be reasonable to take a look at the roster of junior welterweights that are with top rank and see that the possibilities. If Pedraza is the winner, that he certainly could have his name in that hat, and certainly Barbosa if they can work out a deal there, the money, et cetera. Uh, I don't think if Richard Comey is the winner that he would be in line for that fight, given that it wasn't all that long ago that Lopez knocked him out in the second round when he won his first world title. All right. And you see uh, Anderson Perez is watching us on YouTube and says, hey, if Pedraza gets this win Saturday night in Tulsa, won't be surprised like you were just talking about because Pedraza being from Puerto Rico that he would bring in Puerto Rican fans right there with Lopez. That might be an interesting one. Barboza wants a shot, maybe. I'll say this one of those guys. So if 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 Pedraza were to win and doesn't end up getting the assignment against Lopez in December, I I mean it wouldn't be a shock if he wound up say like in the co-feature on the card uh, in in that fight because these guys are going to usually you know at that level you're going to fight usually a couple of times a year uh, and so yeah, I could see him being on the undercard if he doesn't get a spot in the main event. But Top Rank also uh, has such a deep system of fighters that are on the way up. They have such a, a lot of prospects. Uh, a lot of New York-based prospects, be it Puerto Rican or otherwise, that they really know how to put a card together. So whatever their main event will be with Tiafimo, you can be sure that there'll be a lot of uh, ticket sellers and up-and-coming guys from the region that would populate that undercard. You're getting some love from the Savages a little earlier in the chat. Rye uh, sends us something. Rye Martinez sent us something thanking you for the Usyk pick last week, although he was the favorite. Uh, Dan had him by decision and had the over, so you were able to even double that up if you wanted to uh, on that. So on that subject, uh, we thank you, Rye, for watching. Rye Martinez in, in, in our chat here live at 1 Eastern time. On that subject, not surprisingly, Tyson Fury took about 51 seconds to say, I'm not really retired. I would be willing to fight Usyk. In your mind and from what you've been hearing, is that a realistic, like, December-January fight? Do you think we can get an undisputed Fury-Usyk fight in the next four, five months, something like that? What do you think? Well, what do you know? I think it's definitely possible or, or even maybe likely that that would be the next fight if uh, the, the financial part of it can be worked out. Tyson Fury wants a, a ton of money for this fight. Uh, and Usyk, I'm sure, is going to want a lot of money also. So it's definitely doable. What the time frame is, I mean, that I can't really say. It's going That would be dependent upon an, a lot of different factors. The location of the fight would be part of it because if they decide to go back the route of having it, um, you know, it, put it like this. The, the money probably would come from the Middle East once again. 
but not necessarily. So if they were going to, let's say, be doing the fight in the UK like they did with the Dylan White fight, you, you can't have an outdoor fight at Wembley Stadium in the wintertime or even at the end of the year. So that would preclude it just based on weather. But there's there they do have dome stadiums, you know, in, in Cardiff, there's an 80,000 seat right. stadium. Uh, but again, it's it's way too far. It's way it's it's too to get too far ahead of ourselves to determine when the fight would be, much less if they're going to make it. So I'm not in any way concerned about is the fight going to be at the end of the year? Is it going to be in January? Is it going to be in February? Is it going to be in April? Whatever. I do think if there's going to be a next fight, that's probably the case. The sanctioning bodies are all okay with this fight taking place. No one's you know making noise about ordering a mandatory fight to screw things up whatsoever. Um, it's going to be about how much money is there in this fight. This And Fury said it best. Fury says a lot of nonsense. Fury's... Uh, maybe got a challenging relationship with the truth sometimes. But the truest <laughs> thing that he has said is this fight's about the money. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of it for everybody involved, and they're going to have to get that taken care of. But uh, I think the fact that there's no real promotional entanglements, uh, Usyk is free and clear to go about his business with whatever uh, fight he and his team want to make. He's not encumbered by any broadcast deals. He can come and work with uh, Frank Warren and Top Rank and do this fight, no issue. Uh, as Bob Arum has said many times, and it's true, um, he has a good, close working relationship for a many, many number of years with Egis Klimas, who is the manager of Alexander Usyk. Egis uh, Klimas is also the manager for several other fighters that Top Rank works with. They are involved with, for example, he is the manager also for Vasily Lomachenko. He is the manager for uh, the newly crowned uh, WBO middleweight title holder, uh, Janabek Alamakanuli, who has been elevated after the, the vacating of the title by Demetrius Andre. The point is, uh, the manager for Usyk and the promoter at Top Rank have done business deals for many, many years and worked on major mm -hmm. fights together. Uh, there'd be no reason to believe they wouldn't be able to do a similar situation uh, in terms of Alexander Usyk. And, uh, you know, Fury is going to be Fury. Hopefully it will happen. All right. Yeah, and I think we will get this. It is interesting uh, that there's not been a four-belt, undisputed heavyweight champion before. That's what would be riding on this. Whoever can can get all four of those at once, how long they hang on to all four of them after the fact remains to be seen. So that's another thing besides the money. You would have that. You would be the first to have that if you're Fury or if you're Usyk. And we, we can't oversell this enough. For everything that was riding on it for Usyk in the rematch and what's going on horrifically in his homeland with the Russian invasion, what he came up with last Saturday night was a fantastic performance again. And he deserves the credit and the massive payday that comes afterwards for an undisputed oh, fight. He I did. Do you agree with me on that? Payday for the fight that just took place. By my understanding, Joshua and Usyk each made about $40 million for their fight last week. So they're doing Not okay. On, I tell you one thing, though, TJ, if the fight with uh, Fury and Usyk gets made, there'll be more than $40 million for uh, Usyk in that one. And uh, by the way, very similar to Dan's deal here on BetUS TV. Another viewer has a question. Well, if that's here. true, I've been getting shorter the last couple of weeks. I'll say I that. Understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, on the pay. Uh, Fresh BX is watching us live here on Friday afternoons at 1 Eastern time, and he wants to know, can you clarify, you tweeted about the world welterweight undisputed title fight that's being negotiated. Errol Spence has three of the belts. Terrence Crawford has the fourth belt. He says, are you trying to subliminally get Terrence Crawford how, wait a minute. How does Crawford, for the for the viewer, how does Crawford subliminally respond to him? I don't know. Is that no, that's like a was, futuristic thing? I think he means trying to get him to actually type, no, no, no. I want to fight Spence, or say I want to fight Spence. What happened Nonetheless, was I, give us an update. I tweeted what I tweeted, which was two different things. Uh, was A, they're very close to making the fight. They're working on the undercard, and I put out what the dates were that were being discussed for the fight. And, and the update was that Basically, everything in this fight, at least on the Errol Spence side, is agreed to. That the one thing that was uh, not done yet was the agreement between uh, the PBC side and Crawford on what his guaranteed money would be for the fight, uh, which, from my sources, uh, from people involved in the event, is accurate. Uh, and I don't know if it was directed towards me. I don't care if it was directed towards me. But I guess the other night, uh, Crawford put out his own tweet, didn't mention me, which is fine, um, said something to the effect of, you know, Y'all don't know what you're talking about. You know, what, I forget what the exact words were, um, which is fine. And the bottom line is there. And as I've stated many times, and this is not the only fight this has happened on. Everybody in the age of social media hangs on every single word from the fighter, from what's happening here, the rumor mill, et cetera. And it's immediately available to everybody on 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 
you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever. I call it, they're in the process of making the sausage. It's never pretty. And you hope when it's done, you get yourself a good meal. And that's what's happening right now. They are making the sausage of this. And one other thing, can I interject? It's quiet. It's quiet. And when it's quiet and they're not saying a bunch, that's usually a good thing that it's about to get done. When the fighters are on social media or in interviews complaining, I'm not getting enough money, that's usually truthful and not a good sign. So silence in this case may be a good indication. This is also important, though. We're not at a moment in time yet where there's some kind of a drop dead deadline to get it done. Anybody that has experience, and not just in boxing, by the way, this you could talk about uh, collective bargaining when they're dealing with the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball right. or free agent deals or, or trade deadlines or anything like that. And not just in sports, in any walk of life. Usually when there's big things being uh, attempted to get done, they don't happen until they have to get done at a deadline. And at the moment... Uh, Crawford and Spence do not face like, oh, there's a deadline that have to get it done today for whatever reason, whether it's venue related or ticket sales reasons or marketing reasons or whatever. Uh, you know, for a long time, you know, you could go by the clockwork. When there was a big HBO fight that was being negotiated, you knew there was a certain deadline because if there was a date specified, the network right. would never let the fight not get done. And not let it be. And I'm dating myself a little bit. Remember, you used to get in the mail the little HBO booklets of what the schedule was. I do. Okay. I do. You so sit there with the to make sure. sit there with the handheld booklet yes. to see what's coming on next Saturday night. They had deadlines to make sure that they got the information for what the events were to make it into those books by a certain deadline. A Let's certain educate time. the younger peeps for yes. a second. All right, you have to fathom this, younger peeps, that <laughs> HBO was like the forerunner on debuting movies on cable TV or on TV that weren't in the theater. This is before Blockbuster Video, Dan and I are old. Before This is before DVDs. So you would get the HBO guide that he's talking about for the month of August, and it would tell you, hey, we're debuting Back to the Future this Saturday. Next Saturday, we're debuting, I don't know, Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. And on the third Saturday, it's HBO World Championship Boxing. That's what Dan is talking about. So, so they you wanted, knew there's yes. a fight going into that slot. That's what he wanted, means. They didn't want to just have in their guide World Championship Boxing. They wanted a World Championship Boxing, you know, Oscar De La Hoya against whoever. So right. the point I'm making is the deadline to get the fight done was when the guide deadline was. So you knew that fights were getting done right around the time that that guide was going to the press. The point is, right now, there's no such deadline that is necessary for Crawford and Spence. Now, at at some point, there will be a deadline. But that deadline is not here yet. They still have, at least in my estimation, they still probably have a good couple of weeks before it really becomes tightening of the noose to really get a deal done. So everybody involved knows that. They're playing the game of chicken. How much will Heyman cough up for the fight? What will Crawford settle for? You know, and hopefully all everybody will figure it out and they'll work it out and we'll see, you know, a historic welterweight unification fight and we'll all be happy about it and the fight will take place at the end of the year. It's a massive fight. Uh, just one more quick answer. One of the things that's been speculated about, and I heard this from somebody too, is PBC trying to get Terrence Crawford to agree to more than one fight, and is that potentially the hang-up? What are you hearing? Does he only want the one-off and be able to be a free agent again, or is that potentially a hang-up? Is that myth, or is there a little reality in that? I, the answer to that, truthfully, is I don't know the answer. And I would say, right. I mean, I, I write what I hear or what, mm-hmm. I, you know, what I can confirm with different sources as it relates to the specific of how many fights – for Crawford, that I am not aware of. I'm not going to sit yep. here and lie to the viewers. I don't know the answer That's to that, fine. but I'll say this, though. It would surprise me. Now, Canelo is a different kind of animal in that sense, that because he is the biggest star that that Al Heyman and PBC and TGB, they were willing to go one fight with him when they made the undisputed super middleweight fight against Caleb Plant, who was going to make an extraordinary amount of money. They couldn't, you know, couldn't prevent him from making a career-high payday of what was about $10 million. And they they gave Canelo a one-fight deal, hoping that that would be a good experience for him and that, that he would lead him back to additional fights with the company. As it turned out, uh, for Canelo's own reasons, he elected not to 
uh, take a multi-fight offer after he beat Plant and he decided to go back to Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. He got beat by Bevol. He's doing the second fight of that agreement with uh, Gennady Golovkin uh, coming up in September. And after that fight, if, if Canelo is the winner, he will have the option to go and pursue other deals. And maybe he will go back to PBC because they'll still have fighters like Charlo and David Benavides, etc., to offer him. Uh, in the case of Crawford, uh, he's a great fighter. He's a pound-for-pound level guy, but he does not have the um, market, the marketability or the fan base and doesn't generate the kind of revenue of uh, Canelo Alvarez where I don't personally think that Heyman would take that gamble, that he would, of course, insist there has to be a second fight at least. And if you're Crawford, why wouldn't there be? If you know what the numbers are, why wouldn't you take that? You've already right. – you're, you're suing top rank. And you and you were dis- you were unhappy with them. And you left them after many many years. So it's not like that reunion is planned. They still have no opponents for him. So I don't see you going back to them. The other players in the in the sport at that highest level of promotion, you got Golden Boy Promotions. They don't really have some mega fight for you. I mean, Virgil Ortiz would be a good fight, but is that a mega fight? The answer is no, at least at the moment. And then if you look at the other players, it's PBC, which he would be theoretically doing this deal with. And only after that, you have Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearn who do a good job with their events, but I don't think they're rich with welterweights to offer you either. Um, So you want to stay with, I would think his best options are PBC because A, you can get the Spence fight. B, you know, win or lose, there's still going to be opportunity against other fighters, whether it's a Danny Garcia or a Keith Thurman. Maybe you get an opportunity to fight a Charlotte up at 154. The point is all the guys that Crawford wants are under that PBC umbrella. So again, yep. I don't know the answer to what that specific question was. Is he? Is there an issue over the number of fights or years or whatever? Uh, I know what I am told, and it's strictly about what's the money specifically on that fight, be it the guarantee or perhaps the upside. And uh, again, hopefully they'll work it out and we'll see. And as I also said, there's no uh, uh, immediate deadline looming. And so they've got a little time still to, to mess around and, and make us all crazy. I'm still thinking about that HBO guide because you'd always look forward You'll to when, I pull when, that out, when right? are the That's... best when are the best movies coming on what dates, uh, and we had that in the '80s. But we We're just I just remember. really I just really dated myself, didn't I? We did. You dated both of us uh, on this on how old we are. Uh, by the way, Trey X is watching and he wants to know about the podcast. We keep mentioning the podcast. We may have that up on the screen here. Uh, he keeps saying, "Hey, where do we find the podcast? Go wherever you have podcasts to Big Fight Weekend. Big Fight Weekend is our website, bigfightweekend.com, where Dan is uh, our content partner. The Big Fight Weekend podcast is where you can find it through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We do a preview for the weekend. We come back with the Fight Freaks Unite recap. That's Dan Substack. We recap off the weekend audio podcast. We know you can only take so much of looking at us on the Bet US TV show, but you can listen to us until your heart's content on the podcast. And again, for this week, another plug Jared, Real Big Baby Anderson, and Arnold Barboza one on one interviews with the man sitting here right here with us, Dan Raphael, on that podcast. So check that out. Uh, do we have time for another question? Maybe or two. Let's see. I'm not sure if we have a whole lot else uh, that's in there in the Q&A. I think we're pretty well good on what people had for questions and answers. Oh, by the way, it was Dan's birthday. Happy birthday uh, there uh, for that. Dan celebrating the anniversary once again of his 29th birthday. So we're good on uh, on that front. Um, other than that, though, I think I think we're good on the questions and answers here I at this so. point. Uh, let's get back to our best bets, shall we, before we are done. Here's what we're doing on the record, and pay attention because we actually agree. Jose Pedraza, main event, ESPN top-ranked show in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That main event fight probably somewhere around 11 Eastern time, give or take, when the fight card gets underway. Pedraza, Richard Comey is the main event. We obviously both like the over if we like the decision. And it's not a matter of will he. Jared, real big baby Anderson, is going to get a knockout. So Dan and I believe that. And we both believe it will take longer than a round and a half. Again, this is a fascinating low over under. We have not had anything like this on this show. I think the lowest that we've had is four and a half rounds. This is a round and a half for Miljan Rovkanen. Can he stay upright for four and a half minutes and let us hit the over? We are going to find out coming up on Saturday night. Again, both of those fights. And and by the way, one more mention here. I'm just going to ask another question as we come back on camera here. There's a couple of other heavyweights on this card not fighting against Real Big Baby. U.S. Olympian Richard Torres is on the card. Another heavyweight contender, F.A. Ajagba, a big, hard-punching uh, fighter. 
they're on the there's a lot of compelling heavyweight reason to watch this one more time dan before we're gone oh sure richard torres is the young fighter 2 and 0 uh, was the silver medal winner in the Tokyo Olympic Games that were uh, delayed and took place last summer. So he's going to be in his second professional fight. Uh, what's interesting about Torres is uh, he's not necessarily yet at the level in terms of his professional experience as Jared Anderson is, but they know each other well. They've sparred together a lot. Uh, Jared spoke about this on the podcast. I asked him about this one uh, interesting nugget. Uh, if you go back and take a look at Jared's amateur and professional career, he's never been knocked down as a professional or an amateur except for one time. It came against Richard Torres in the 2017 uh, uh, Golden Gloves tournament. In any event, Richard Torres, in his, uh, his fight is the opener of this triple header on uh, the ESPN top rank card, which starts at 10 o'clock Eastern time. And then uh, you mentioned F.A. Ajagba, who was an Olympian uh, for Nigeria. He is uh, an up-and-coming heavyweight, also big, tall, strong guy. Uh, he is part of the preliminary card. Uh, those fights are not on the network. They stream on ESPN Plus before the main card starts. But the point is Top Rank, which had for many years really gotten out of the heavyweight business, is now obviously back in it because they're one of the promoters of Tyson Fury. And, of course, they've got uh, a Jogba under contract. They signed Richard Torres out of the Olympic Games. And, of course, they've got Jared, uh, the real big baby Anderson. So they're building a little bit of a heavyweight stable. And uh, three of those younger guys are in action on this card Saturday. All right, very good. We've got all of that from Tulsa. Again, a full show. Again, we've hung here. A lot of good people going back and forth, the peeps, the savages, uh, going back and forth. And so uh, in the live chat, we love that here Fridays at 1 o'clock. Dan, it's been a full show. Have a great weekend. We will catch up you, with you next week on BetUS. Let's see if we can keep the wins coming here, the victories coming on the BetUS show. Appreciate it as always, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Oh, thanks a lot, TJ. I just, uh, I'm just disappointed about one thing. Since you made the same exact picks as I did, I'm not going to have anything to bust your chops about come uh, Saturday. This is late. true, and except you're going to blame me if the Jared Anderson fight ends before uh, the uh, halfway point of the second round because you're going to say, say it's no, my fault that I picked that with you. No quick stoppages. Yeah, we just want this thing to last into the middle of the second round, and let's see if that is the case. Or, or will it be Tyson-esque? You mentioned the name Mike Tyson. We're not saying Real Big Baby is Mike Tyson, but he's got 11 knockouts in his first 11 fights. And if he bulldozes this guy in the first round, even off an injured hand, the hype will build for this guy. Let's see what happens on Saturday. In any event, Dan, thank you. And we thank you to the audience for watching us on the BetUS Boxing Show.